Hey everybody, how are you? I hope you guys are well. It's time for one of my favorite parts of the week. It's time for the newest episode of Atomic Radio Hour. I got a show planned for you. I got a nice discussion, something I was mulling over throughout the week while I was at uh, work or, or editing or doing something and kind of thinking about the entire series and it kind of plays into our lore for, for today a little bit. I also have uh, something I'd like to show you behind me. Let me see. I do with the green screen and I'm still kind of... Here is the shelf. This is the shelf. This is my Fallout shelf. I've been adding to it slowly over the years and since this picture behind me was taken, some of the things have been updated. Uh, I haven't necessarily been taking pictures of things as they've been updated. I have some new little figurines, some trinkets, if you will, that are here and I have something to show you. I got a nice piece of lore and I want to talk about... Um, everything comes back to the apocalypse. Everything comes back to nuclear power. And what I'd like to talk to you about is a big lizard at the end of the program who is nuclear powered. My name is Vince. I'll be your host for this evening. How are you? You look fantastic. You look swell, kid. Love what you're doing with your hair. I've been thinking a lot about these games, um, which I usually do. I've been playing Fallout 3, which I believe I said last week, if you're playing along at home. And I was thinking about the Brotherhood and the Brotherhood's involvement. Fallout 1, the cover is the T-51 power armor helmet. And they're not the main good guy of the game. And I feel like me going back and replaying them, I kind of am going in with the idea that they are the good guy. When they're really not, you're kind of the good guy. And even then, you're not really the good guy in Fallout. When everything's very morally ambiguous. And then in the second one, again, the cover is... Uh, the startup screen is a tribal in power armor, but the cover is the Enclave, the advanced power armor, what later becomes XO-1. And there's actually something I heard recently that, like, advanced power armor 2 is the East Coast one, but, like, then that kind of goes away, but the East Coast Enclave armor is not great because it was power armor and then it was advanced power armor and that's Enclave. Like, the way Bethesda has retcon power armor is a little confusing. And I, I even tried to read the wiki a little bit and I was still just kind of lost. And I was thinking about how by time 2 comes around, they exist. They're kind of in the background. They're not as big as a force. They're used by Tandy to invade Vault City, which we might get to see in the uh, Amazon Prime show, the Fallout Prime show. But then you hit... DC, you hit three. The tactics, I'm not counting tactics. I'm not counting Brotherhood. As far as, uh, I believe Todd Howard, and I'm paraphrasing this, but when was asked about those spinoff games, he said pretty much, as far as we're concerned, they're not canon. But the Pridwin is from either a tactics, I believe it is. I believe it's in tactics. I'll be honest with you, I have not played tactics. I'm not a very, uh, it's not my type of game where you control a squad of people. It's cool that there's a part of Chicago that I think that is technically canon in three or four. They mention that there's a rogue group of Brotherhood of Steel in Chicago. I could be wrong on the game it's mentioned, but it's it's brought up. It's said. So you get to three and you have Lions Brotherhood and Lions Brotherhood is going east. And they stop in Pittsburgh and we get the pit and everything and what have you. But here's my thing. I think the Brotherhood of the East Coast is completely justified for one reason being that the outcast exists. You get to three and you have the two separations. You have the three separations, technically, if you want to get fundamental about it, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. I don't know. You have the Brotherhood of Steel that leaves the West Coast. 
that leaves the West to travel to the East to see what's going on, right? This should be, sorry, 76 fans, this should be the first time that they're leaving. Should be. They leave the West, go to the East, and settle, and Lyons realizes what's going on. And Lyons even lies about being in contact with the West Brotherhood. And the Brotherhood outcast breaks off and is like, you're doing this completely wrong. We want to continue doing Brotherhood shit. We want to make sure technology is kept safe and kept in high regards. And we don't want the locals, as they refer to you, the outcasts refer to you as involved. We want to be by ourselves. We understand what's going on. We know what's going on. We need to make sure that these these morons, these illiterate idiots, don't fall into power of any sort where they could blow some shit up and kill everybody the way we did. There's a town with a nuke in the middle of it. And Lyons is like, look, if we're going to be some sort of a force for good, Lyons seeing the atrocities coming from the west to the east, especially when he hits Pittsburgh, there's the scourge that Lyons has, that takes part in. His, Lyons' pride, his brotherhood takes part in that. He's responsible for that. Now, he gets there, and I don't think necessarily what Lyons wants to, I think what Lyons wants to do is noble, but I don't think it's right. He wants to try to eviscerate the super mutants and kind of gets wrapped up into the Enclave. And I think that's mostly just out of, we just happen to be there. And Three Dog, which maybe is something lost, I don't think the Brotherhood was supposed to be this this group of people that was like, look at us, we're doing the right thing, we're the good guys, we're the heroes. I think they're touted, they're supposed to be touted more as, we just got here. Now, maybe... Maybe they didn't have enough time to develop that. Maybe that's just me reading too much into it. But that's kind of how I see it at this point is they were like, everybody be cool. I don't know what's going on. I'm here because I believe one of the first times you're supposed to run into Brotherhood is you come out of a uh, metro terminal and they're just there shooting at super mutants and you just happen to be like, oh, hey. What's going on? Like, I that to me kind of signifies what the rest of it is. And you meet people like uh, Lyons, Lyons' daughter, uh, Sarah Lyons, and then you kind of go from there and figure things out and what have you. And, you know, you make your own assumptions. They help you at, uh, they help you at Galaxy News Radio, but why wouldn't you help the radio? Like, that just makes sense to me. This guy is not only playing music to entertain us, but is talking to people about what's going on. In a situation like this where society is slowly coming back together, you need community. So Three Dog, Three Dog's my favorite character in Three. Probably like, like if you sit down and, and, and have a checklist, it's like Three Dog, Confessor Cromwell is somewhere, Fox is right there, Butch is right there, Moira. Like those are probably my top five off the top of my head. I like Burke a lot. Um, those are probably like my top five. Burke's probably a little lower, but still like you have, uh, three dog who's trying to foster a community and say, Hey, look, they're the good guys. Don't be afraid of them. That's what I think they were going for more is don't be afraid of them just because they're giant metal men. So I think that's fine. And then you get to Fallout 4, and Fallout 4 is this Maxon who you can meet in Fallout 3, and he's like 26 or 24 or 22. He's like really super young to be a high elder, and he's a descendant of the original Maxon from Mariposa, and he wants to take the Brotherhood back to what they once were, which I think could be really fun if it's explored in the next game, that the Brotherhood is like completely just like dismantled 
not because they were the bad guys or the good guys, but because Maxon bit off more than he could chew and didn't necessarily think about what he was doing. He was just more of like a racist. Like he just hated mutants and ghouls and synths and anything that wasn't human because the Brotherhood doesn't necessarily hate anything not human. They just kind of don't care. That's the way I was always portrayed to me. Um, in three, it was kind of an indifference. They were kind of, you know, when you have so much power, you kind of become a bully. I kind of picture them as bullies. This is their, we hate you. The argument could be made that they don't hate Strong and they don't hate Hancock when you take them, or even X6 uh, when you take them onto the Pridwin. Like, they don't instantly start fighting, but, you know, that's probably just for gameplay mechanics, to, to be completely honest. Which kind of sucks, because if you took Boone to, to the fort, Boone would mow down every one of Caesar's Legion. He, he would say, I'm killing Legion on sight. You cannot stop me. They killed my wife. You cannot stop me. So I think that you get there and he's just a tyrant. And I think it'd be neat to explore in the next game if there's pockets of, there's remnants of brotherhood that are just kind of there, that are just kind of all over the place that are like, here's a pocket of people that are run here. We might have a paladin or we might have a knight and then a couple guys under him and they kind of go out and try to do something just to kind of save for themselves, just to be safe for one another. But there is no widespread thing. I don't think the Brotherhood being the face... I mean, here's my copy of three. Babao, signed by Wes Johnson. Real quick, take a look. Hey, prize possession. Haha. <laughs> one of the one of my prize possessions of my collection. Uh, uh, like, I think having them be the face of the game is one thing because I think it's more you're aspiring to that. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for four because I feel like that's like, oh, well, now you have to pick the Brotherhood. I think something like maybe like a postcard that was like welcome to Boston or something like that or like with a welcome home would have fit more. I do get it that every game, the originals had Brotherhood, even tactics. The only one that doesn't, I think, is uh, Brotherhood of Steel on PS2 is just some Wastelanders on the cover. There might be a, a paladin or a knight on there, but I'm not I don't remember off top behind me will be a picture. You know, behind me will be a picture. Fall one, fall two, fall three. New Vegas. Four. Spinoffs. Cool. But like even even New Vegas had the Ranger, a Desert Ranger, an NCR Ranger on the cover. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's just I feel like that's you're aspiring to the end game. Like I feel like it represents a faction. I wouldn't be upset if they took the covers in a different direction. Um I wasn't upset when they added a voice protagonist and look at me now. So maybe it could be different. Who knows? Maybe I could feel a different way once I see it in my hand. I just think that the next game, I think, will absolutely take place in New York. And I have my opinions on this. Uh, I think they should make the game as big as possible and explore every borough and really give reputation and really give uh, karma. Bring could put karma there, but it should be a gritty survival. Like, it should be a, a real gritty survival. RPG elements, everything, but make it really survivalistic. Have it where, like, caps are, are money, but, like, so is ammo. Like, ammo is traded the same way caps are, water as well. I think it'd be fun to explore, okay, we couldn't get into vaults, so we went into the subway tunnels. It helped, but not really. Like, it helped a little bit. I feel like if any city is going to be absolutely destroyed, it's Manhattan. I feel like Manhattan is going to be... It's, it's the capital of the world. 
like for lack of a better term, New- Manhattan is the capital of the world. It's culture. It it is culture. And there's so many people that live in Manhattan, but the boroughs surrounding it that have its own culture that I think would be incredibly fun to explore. Uh, I don't remember if it's Manhattan or the Bronx has the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and it's a big deal every day. You can have a group of people that have been living, I want to say it's in Manhattan, in the same building for generations and have built up this thing. And every year they have a little Puerto Rican Day Parade that goes around the block. Or something, something small that you can help, you can do a quest and help them. But I think a big thing that would be awesome, and especially, I shit on 76 a lot. And I, I, and I don't feel like it's fair. I also just realized when I did all the games, I didn't list off 76. So real quick, here's 76's cover art. It's, it's Power Armor cover art. Um, I think what they should do is Power Armor is not really there. You might be able to find like, like you can see it on the ground and it's like destroyed Power Armor that you can't pick up or you can scrap for steel or something, but you can't wear it. And I feel like there should be one set of power armor that's in the game, that's out there, bring back weapon degradation and really build into it. And I think it'd be neat because we're getting into these future consoles and they could do so many little things to enhance your experience. If I'm using the same gun for, say, let's say I'm using a hunting rifle for, say, 15, 30 hours and I've repaired it 10 times, the more you repair it, the more additives you see on there. You can see, like, where the... What's it called? Not the chamber where you pull it back, where you cock it on a rifle. There's like tape and bubble gum like stuck in there. So it like seals shut when, when you slam it, when you slam it shut so you can shoot. There's more duct tape that gets added. There's an extra piece of like a reinforcing rebarb. Like when you, and then again, when you reinforce things, it looks bigger and better, but there's one set of power armor and you have to do a very uh, long quest to get it. And that's mostly just there for fan service. In a way that like the remnant power armor, the remnant enclave power armor, the remnant advanced power armor is in New Vegas. There's one suit and you can, you can rock that suit if you want, but you get somewhat of a, of a, of something early and it's a motorcycle. And I think to drive around the cities, the streets of New York in a motorcycle, you're going to attract a, a lot of attention though. Like it's going to be very loud. But the Brotherhood's nowhere to be found. Let's bring it all the way back. The Brotherhood's nowhere to be found. You might be able to find holotapes of saying, oh, hey, I, there's, uh, this is, this is scribe, this and that, and I'm talking about this, and we passed over it. Because I believe they talk about New York and Fallout 4 a little bit. A scribe talks about flying over in a holotape, flying over Manhattan, flying over New York, saying that it was destroyed. Or, you want to make it a gritty survival. Don't do it in 2297 or, or 22, like how it's 2277, 2287, 2297. Don't do that. Do it a little beforehand. Do it a hundred years after the bombs fall and the city is still destroyed and it's slowly starting to get up. Have fun with, with the stereotypes of, of mobsters. Have fun with the stereotypes of opulence of, of, you know, the timeline kind of stops in like 61, 62, I believe is like the suspected date. But have fun, drag it out. Like, drag out the 20s a little more. That Harlem Renaissance never really went away. I've never been one to think that racism actually exists in the Fallout universe because little things, it's the only real pre-war thing we have to go off of. In the beginning of Fallout 4, there's an interracial lesbian couple who's right there. So why, if that's the 2070s, sure, maybe some shit happened in the 40s or the real 60s, but at what point did it stop and do we advance forward? So play into the 20s kind of that opulence, that like great Gatsby-esque feeling. Imagine being able to see Times Square 
destroyed, just nuked. Buildings falling. There's like a giant toy store there, like the Toys R Us that used to be there. And the Brotherhood's nowhere to be found. I think that could be a lot of fun. I think that's kind of where the Brotherhood should go. I don't think the Brotherhood is bad. I just don't think they should be, here you go. This is who you're going to follow now. There's so many other interesting things that, that you can hear about. That's why I was so excited in New Vegas as I get older and I replay it to be able to explore Camp McCarran uh, and Camp Forlorn Hope and uh, Lake Mead and see all these NCR bases. I forget the NCR base that's right there. It might be Forlorn Hope. I don't remember. I apologize for not remembering, but the one that's right by Lake Mead, because it's something that is in the Brotherhood that fills out the world more. I feel like Bethesda relies so heavily on the Brotherhood. Don't get me wrong. Brotherhood's fucking cool. (laughs) But I'd like to see them kind of step back and go, yeah, they're here, but they're not a huge faction. They exist, but they're not the be-all, end-all of the series. Now, I say all of this... Oh, shit, I almost fell. I say all of this about about where Fallout is with the Brotherhood to show you something. I said earlier that I have something for the collection, and I have to be very careful with this. I have to be very, very delicate. Uh, What I have is a vintage item, something that is uh, like a fine line. It's something that I've been looking forward to for a while. I brought it up like three, four episodes ago. I think it was like right when I got back from from the meetup in D.C., and I would like to talk about it with you guys right now. So the shelf... A lot of people I see that that collect, and this is no shade to anybody who collects anything in their Fallout collection or any collection. Um, actually, someone who I didn't even show this to yet is Kyle. Hey, Papa. I didn't show this to him yet, and he's normally the first person I show any collect- collectible that I get because we're collectors. If Kyle and I agree on nothing else, Kyle, Kyle and I can agree on absolutely nothing else. We agree on one thing, and that both of our collections are really dope. And... <laughs> And this is one of my grails. Um, I have another one that is the Amazon exclusive Fallout 3 pre-order edition. It came with the lunchbox, that whole special edition. Uh, but it came with a Pip-Boy 3000 from the game, but as a clock, that's one of them. I'm looking for a copy of every Fallout in every pressing. Uh, it hit me earlier this year after I got back from France that I walked into a... French GameStop and didn't ask if they have Fallout 3. I feel like a doofus, a dumbass, a moron even. But what I'm about to show you is something that I didn't get when it first came out. It's something that I've been looking for for a while now. And it's something that will never leave my collection. As far as I'm concerned, this might be an item I'm buried with. Either that or my copy that's um, signed by Wes Johnson. And what I have for you, again, I must be incredibly comfortable, is a copy of Fallout 3. And I already know what you're thinking. Vince, what's so special about a copy of Fallout 3? Well, this is a copy that I did not have the pleasure of buying when it first came out. This is a copy, a first edition pressing, or a do not sell before 10-28-08. This is a thing that I've been looking for for a while. Factory sealed. They have the orange seal on top. The Microsoft seal here on the latch piece. This is a game that has been encased in a protective plastic for 14 years. There is a little tear on the seal right here. And I've been watching this fella called Get the Greg, Get the Greg, Get the Game Greg or Get the Greg Games. I apologize. The dyslexia. She kicks in every now and again. And he talks all about 
games and grading them. And this is a game that I'm going to grade. I'm going to get this in a protective, I'm gonna get this in a protective plastic case. I'm trying to be incredibly delicate with it because of this little nick that I have here behind me will be the eBay page that I bought it from. Fantastic. I did not pay the buy it now price. I'm gonna put this down because I have to be very delicate with it. Give me just a moment. I did not pay the buy it now price. Uh, it was up for a very fair price and I made them an offer. They hit me with a counter offer and I feel like even with that little nick right there, it is an offer that I don't think I will ever see again. There could be a factory that opens up and there could be cases of Fallout 3s right there that have the do not sell by. Maybe. I'm not willing to take that chance because this is something that I've wanted for my collection for probably about two years now. And I thought this is going to be very hard to get my hands on. I wanted to get a graded copy, but the cheapest I could find um, wasn't the best condition. And one that was a little bit better was like 900 bucks. So I wasn't going to pay that. <laughs> what it's going to take for me to pay for that and get it graded will be a fraction of that. A huge fraction of that. So I am incredibly grateful to have this in my collection. I need to fill out a report and send it out. Um through a company called Wada, Wada Games. Again, if uh, it should be behind me continuously, the the page that I bought this from, the, this is the, their their page is nothing but vintage clothing, which I've become a big fan of since I moved out here, and Fallout stuff. So they're a big collector. So I knew it was coming from someone who appreciated the. I knew it's coming from someone who appreciates the the art form that is this game and the hobby that is collecting as much as I do. And I appreciate that. And I'm willing to give them my business again because of that. It got here lickety split. I believe I paid for it on a Saturday. It is now a Thursday. It got here pronto. I might have even paid for it late Saturday. Or even a Sunday morning. So three, four days of shipping. How do you beat it? So it's something that's going to be my collection for a very long time. It's going to be a prize piece of my collection. What I want to do is get a bunch of games uh, that are my favorites and get them graded. Find them sealed. Get them graded. This so far is probably going to be the most expensive one um, to find sealed. I want to get The Last of Us 2, Red Dead Redemption, the first one, uh, Arkham City, Batman Arkham City. And I'm thinking about Skate 3, put a lot of time into Skate 3, whichever one is cheaper, Skate 2 or Skate 3 that I can find. It's not terribly expensive to grade them. I believe it's under $80. I could be wrong. I filled out, uh, I made an account and like filled out like what my wish list is. And it was like, oh, this is about how much you'll pay. And I want to put them around my entertainment center. Like I want to have them because they'll be in those cases. I want to put them around. I feel like it's a nice decorative piece and it, you know, it's like, oh, what's this? Is this a Videos James? Oh, my friend, it happens to be such. Oh, why is it in this plastic? Well, you see, as a collector, this means something to me. I don't know why, but you put something behind plastic, and I'm incredibly excited. So this page, again, behind me, I can't shout them out enough. Uh, they have a bunch of great stuff. They have some stuff on there that I really want. If by some reason they see this, if you get any promo Fallout stuff, let me know. Link to my Twitter in the description below. Just, just hit me up. If we could cut out the middleman, work out a deal, you know, uh, you could hit hook me up. I'll hook you up uh, with something. And what's wild is it came from Pennsylvania. And it just made me smile because, like, I moved from Pennsylvania and then here's this package of something I love coming to me all the way out here in Colorado from Pennsylvania. It was neat. It was nice. It was cool. It was dope. That's something that I'm very proud to have in my collection. Once I get this graded, I want to do a video. I've noticed that I, I have this as my background all the time, and I've never actually showed off 
in detail what each item is, what it does. I would like to go through everything and just show off. This is what this is. This is what that is. And if you're watching this or listening and you have anything you want to sell or trade or get rid of, please hit me up. Even if you just want to get rid of something, I'll pay postage. Like you're like, look, man, I got all these extra things. Can I just send them to you? I'll pay postage. I'll give you money if you have something that I want. So, you know, again, link in the description to my uh, Twitter. We could hook it up. So (laughs) I need to get into the lore. A big reason why you're probably here is for the lore, a piece of Fallout lore from the series. But before I do that, I have to get into the Patreon. Thank you to the Patreon, because of you guys, the show keeps chug, chug, chugging along. I recently bought a piece of equipment, an HDMI switcher, uh, for my PlayStation 2, so I could plug it into my computer, or I can plug it into a TV that's made in the past 15 years. And um, I think my PS2 might be shot. Every time I try to play it, it, like, I'm trying to play San Andreas, and I can get out of CJ's house, and then it just dies. I haven't tried any other games. Um, I try to take a can can of air and blow through it. I got it for free, but because of COVID, everything's 10 times more expensive. And a PS2 that you could have got for 45 bucks is now 170. It's, it's pretty much tripled more or less, right? Four, eight, 12, 16. Yeah. Quadrupled. So, um, I don't know when I'm going to get it. I want to stream the thing. And because of the Patreon, I, c- I continue to do these things. I'd like to get... I know I feel like I say this every three weeks, but I'd like to get on a stream... like to get on a streaming schedule. Uh, and the thing is something I promised I would stream. I'd like to get my hands on the PS2 Fallout game and stream that as well. I heard it's dog ass. And just, you know, do more with the community. Do more with the Patreon. Do more with the uh, Discord. Do more with the Twitch. And go from there. If that makes sense to you so i have to thank these lovely folks and starting from the top i have to thank the og noah thank you noah after noah i have to thank danny thank you danny after danny i have to thank marcus thank you marcus and last but certainly not least i have to thank tp thank you to tp because of you guys like i said the show can continue to chug along i love you and i thank you now when i went to go do the lore for this week I thought to myself, what exactly could I do? And now that I think about it, I might have screwed myself for Monster Month next year. You're getting a little bonus content. A little Dios de los Muertos. That's a shitty joke. We're like halfway through November. (laughs) We're like halfway into November and I'm making jokes about November 1st. Whatever. A little extra... uh, Something because I wanted to do a character. Originally, I really wanted to do a character. I wanted to do the character of Goros from Fallout 2. And then I went, well, you know, I'm reading his wiki and I go, I should probably, and I get all my lore from fallout.fandom.com. And I'm thinking, maybe I should go back and do Goros and, and then introduce his father, Gunther, real quick. And then I'm reading Gunther's and I go, well, I really feel like I should introduce the intelligent death clause and then i go to introduce the intelligent death clause and then i just wound up doing the entire lore on the intelligent death clause so if you'd like to hear any lore and i do mean any lore whatsoever and the lore always comes to you hot fresh and ready from fallout.fandom.com or as some kids on the street are calling it the nukapedia 
Link to the, to the Discord in the description below. Once a week, I ask a question. First person who get the question right gets to pick a lore for the week. And this week's lore coming to us from Fallout 2 is the Intelligent Death Clause. Now, Fallout 1, for the uninitiated, takes place in 2161. And in 2235, the Enclave exposes captured Death Clause to FEV. Now, FEV is used in the beginning to uh, create them. They're exposed. The, the the geckos are exposed to it. The lizards that are exposed to FEV that later become death claws. Jackson's chameleons. Uh, they are exposed to a little bit of FEV and radiation. It's mixed together, and death claws emerge. Right. So the enclave introduces more FEV to them, thinking that they can make them more intelligent but subservient, which is a great idea. Here's these giant fabled death machines. And I like how Fallout 3 kind of brings that back with uh, controlled death claws. So in 2242, the Enclave storms Vault 13 with intelligent death claw help, and the death claws later adopt Vault 13 as their home once it's abandoned. So they live there. So imagine just walking into a vault and all of a sudden here's these giant lizard killing machines. These huge, big lizard boys. Several humans from the surrounding area actually go live in the vault under the protection of these death claws. And I'm going to get into a little bit later. These death claws can speak. Goros, Zarn, X-A-R-N, Zarn, I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Um, they can speak. And the thing with Jackson's chameleons is they don't have vocal cords. And I remember that being a point of contention in... Fallout 4 is that the Deathclaw roars at you, but it can't roar if it doesn't have vocal cords. Who knows? Maybe it mutated. Also, maybe it's just scary to have a giant lizard roar in your face. But not super scary if you get power armor 10 minutes into it. The leader of these intelligent Deathclaws is Guther. G-R-U-T-H-A-R. Guther. I looked up how to pronounce it, and it was like, Guta her, and I was like, that's not correct. So I'm going to say Guther. The Dwellers of 13 turn their day-to-day -day operations to a Brotherhood of Steel tech-based computer. The only way for the Death Claws to interact with this computer is through voice controls, voice commands. That chip breaks, and once the chip breaks, mind you, uh, the relative... A dis, uh, an ancestor of the Chosen One came from Vault 13. So this is what I could only imagine me going to Italy is like. Me going back to see where my family's from, where my story kind of starts. Vault 13 originally was uh, a control vault, but it's also believed, uh, and it's hinted at in Fallout 2 and spoken about a little bit, that the people that were in Vault 13 were going to be taken by the, the, excuse me, taken by the Enclave when the time was right. And they were going to, if they didn't want to go with them, be killed or taken onto the oil rig to repopulate. Because these groups in Fallout, like the Brotherhood, the Enclave, uh, even like the Minutemen, I would I would argue to an extent, are incredibly inbred. Like I would really wager to bet that like the gene pool is running thin. So the Chosen One finds Vault 13 and speaks with some of the intelligent Death Claws there and... They say to him, look, I, I, the death call say, I need a voice chip. And he says, look, if you can help me, if I can help you find the voice chip or something to fix it, I need a geck. Can you help me find a geck? Through the help of the death claws inside of 13, 
uh, by finding the Gek, they find it in storage and is given to the Chosen One. Now, in the eyes of the Enclave, this was viewed as rebellion. They technically were under the control of them. I wouldn't be surprised if it's very much like, let them stay there, and when we need them, we'll get them. What are they going to do? They're animals, and we have a Horrigan. So, speaking of Frank, Horrigan and a troop of Enclave soldiers massacre the Death Claws and humans inside, presumably as the humans as well, inside of 13 because of this act of giving the Gek to the Chosen One. The only Death Claw to survive is Gorus, who's traveling at that time with the Chosen One. Gorus shows up in Fallout New California, the board game. His card will be behind me. If it's, it's probably already behind me, to be honest. Uh, there's also Zarn, who I brought up before, who is at Navarro, and they are the last two Death Claws in existence. Now, they're both males, so there is a huge chance that that is the last time we are ever going to see intelligent death claws. Some characteristics. I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukipedia. So I want to read characteristics and a few other things right off the wiki so you get an understanding of what these intelligent death claws are like. The subspecies was intelligent for death claws about the equivalent of an eight-year-old with some individual some individuals on par with average adult humans their learning capacity was very high and they were capable of abstract thought and reason although they did not have vocal cords the death claws seemed to mimic human speech similar to a parrot socially they had a rigid hierarchy peaceful and pack-based ethical code. They were extremely loyal to the pack as a whole, treating it as a family unit rather than having individual families. Fights within the pack are unheard of, and the pack leader controls many aspects of life, such as choosing and matching female and male Deathclaw for reproduction. Deathclaws are not subject to becoming sterile from FEV exposure. This trait is never explained. Little behind the scenes from you, Chris Avalone regrets the inclusion of talking intelligent Deathclaws finding them too silly for the fallout universe tim kane and leonard boyarski also wish they could have removed them with tim saying death claws were supposed to be scary monsters not librarians they only appear in fallout 2 fallout tactics and fallout shelter online so there's a reference i want to read real quick because they just said they don't like them so they're probably never coming back and it doesn't really matter as far as i'm concerned but the Fallout Bible is mixed as to whether Zan or Goris could appear and save the intelligent Death Club breed. On March 11th of 2022, a, a, an update by John Daly, the creator and designer of much of the talking Deathclaw content wrote, in any case, there is a chance that two intelligent Deathclaws survived and continue on the species. I realize that they are both males, but that is fine. When they were engineered by the Enclave, the intelligent gene was made male-specific and dominant. What this means is any intelligent male that mated with a non-intelligent female would most likely produce an intelligent offspring. However, in July 10th of 2002, an update of the Fallout Bible, Chris Avalon denied that intelligent death clause lived writing by the way the talking death claws were destroyed at the end of fallout 2 xan and goros did not go on to create a new species and they are gone kaput goodbye in fact any mutant animal that talks can safely be assumed to have died at the end of the exact minute fallout 2 is over any last word any last words talking animals i thought not they're not coming back they're not coming back ever behind me is a picture well they might who knows but i'd hope they wouldn't Behind me is a picture of something. I haven't 
looked into the pictures that I'm going to use, but there should be a picture of Goros. There should be a picture of his card, at least. Uh, he wears a nice cloak. I think they're neat. They're something that will really only exist there. Maybe Bethesda, if we ever see the West. I really hope it's not in the show. And if it is in the show, it's a passing thing. Mm. If it takes place around Fallout 2, Shiza. Anyway that's pretty much all i have to say on the intelligent death clause and that my friends is the end of this week's lore hi welcome to segment three part three of the show i'm getting a little lightheaded i'll be honest with you my room's a little warm and i want to open the i want to open the window but i'm afraid the homeless man might start shouting at it again so if you're a watcher of my channel of the old man vince youtube channel you may know that I'm quite the big Godzilla fan. I had a podcast, I still technically have it, uh, that I was doing with a friend called Lizard Brains, where we went back and rewatched every single Godzilla movie. Now, my friend who I did it with, uh, he got ill. And I don't feel like it's really within my right to talk about what kind of an illness it was or what had happened. He's fine, if anyone's wondering, if you were a listener of Lizard Brains. Uh, but I just thought, you know what? With me making the sh- me having the show become solo and me moving and having a, a a a longer schedule and a crazier week and what have you, let's chill. You go deal with your stuff. I'd like to bring it back one day. But Toho, the company that's been making Godzilla for damn near eighty years at this point, announced recently that next year, two thousand and twenty-three, in the year of our Lord, we will be getting another new Godzilla film. The way Godzilla films from the Japanese have really worked was we got the American Godzilla in 98, 99, and we don't talk about that Godzilla ever. We never talk about it. We never will talk about it. Not on my channel, not in my house. Sorry. And Toho bought the rights to it. And then in final wars, they kill him. (laughs) They bought the rights to it because they, they wanted to make sure that, uh, that movie doesn't, get a sequel because they did my my big lizard boy so so dirty so 2004 is the last godzilla made in japan 2000 and i want to say i just got my driver's license 2016 2015 right around there the godzilla the legendary pictures godzilla comes out and i like that movie not the best godzilla movie i like it and we keep getting these godzilla movies In 2016 or 2018, I always forget, we get Shin Godzilla, which is the first traditional Godzilla out of Japan in 12 years. It was 2016 or or maybe it's 14 years. Again, I apologize. 2004 to a point in time. We get this new one and I haven't seen it. I'll be completely honest with you. I haven't seen it. I heard it's very good. It's a mixture of the suit and the CG. And I like, my thing about Godzilla is I like the suits. My first one was from 64 that I've ever saw. It was Godzilla vs. Mothra. My, it was on television and my mom sat me down and said, you're going to watch the TV because I watched this movie when I was a little kid and now you're going to watch this movie because you're a little kid. And since then, if my mom and I have shared anything, it's our love of giant kaiju. And I have that like for the rest of my life and I'm so happy and proud in a weird way to have that. So my mom, I don't think has sat down to watch a Godzilla movie of the old ones. She watches the new ones. When I was home, we made a big thing. We all went to the movie theater to see these movies when they came out. I really, I didn't see Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong, because I was here. I was in Colorado. But uh, the second one, Godzilla King of the Monsters, rips so severely. Uh. And now this new one, 
uh, as far as I know, doesn't have a name. It's just the next Godzilla picture. Picture. It's rumored that it's going to be called Godzilla Zero. And there was a short Godzilla film that was Godzilla versus Hidorah that came out a few years ago. And it's exactly what I like. It's the suits. I don't like Godzilla in CG. The, the American ones are fine because they kind of have a campy feel to them. They have a feel where it's like you could tell it's not a guy in a suit, but it's fun. And I don't hate the human stories. Like the Millie Bobby Brown one in the in the Kong versus Godzilla isn't great. But there's a dude in it who's a podcaster about conspiracy theories. I'm a podcaster. Look, here's my YouTube page. That's where I post my podcast. I identify with with a podcast man, right? So I like him. He's cool. I want him on a t-shirt. So we're getting a new one. And I'm really excited because they also did a short film, a CG short film. It's about six minutes called Godzilla vs. Gigan Rex. And Gigan's not my favorite. I'll be completely honest. Um, my favorite is actually probably Megalon of one of his bad guys and King Ghidorah. And I love Mothra. She my queen, girl. And... I'm excited for this movie. I'm really excited for this movie. I'd like to bring lizard brains back in some capacity. Again, my co-host that I did that show with is feeling much better. We haven't really spoken too much on it. I should give him a ring. Um, he kind of went dark for a little bit. Not upset. I'm just saying, you know, you got to take care of your business. But I'm so excited for like another Godzilla movie to come out. And it's coming out November 4th of 2023. I really want to get to Japan next year. I don't think I will though because I think I'm going... If everything works out properly, cross your fingies. I think I'm going to go to Europe again next year. And I definitely want to go to Nevada for the Good Springs meetup. So I don't know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing. But I'm excited. One day I'll be able to see a, a new Godzilla movie in the theater in Japan. I don't care if I don't understand the word of it. As long as he's in a big suit, I don't care. That's really all I have for you this week, my friends. I hope you've enjoyed the show. You guys look great, sound great. You smell really good. Did you switch up the deodorant or the body wash? It smells fantastic. And you know, I like the toothpaste using. Shoot me a DM later with what it is. But anyway, if you like the intro music, it's by the one and only Shane Ivers. SilvermanSounds.com slash free music for all of his music or throw a slash feather duster at the end to get the intro to the show. Link in the description to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, Kyle's Twitter, the Instagram should be down there, the Twitch is down there. Shout out once again to the Patreon if you'd like to support. There's a link in the description below. There's also a link to the Redbubble where you can buy a logo. Come hang out for a bit in the Discord. I hope you guys are doing well. I love you very, very much. And I will see you next week. So long, everybody. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Goulman Entertainment Production.